Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Evan Lazar alongside Alex Barth, Patriots Beat, live Q&A edition of the podcast here on a Tuesday night. And Alex, uh, we got the schedule released tomorrow, so that's something to look forward to. And then we have a couple of weeks of dead period here. So a lot of time to talk about the roster and, and talk about 53-man roster projections way too early predictions of who's going to make this team. That's what I tried to do today on CLNSmedia.com, take my first initial stab at it. And I think a good place to start here tonight was just the fact that I had to cut a bunch of NFL players off this roster, you know, guys that I had a lot of people saying, oh, are they really going to cut Anthony Jennings second year as a third-round pick, Dalton Keene second year as a third-round pick. Go on and keep going, right? Jawan Williams, a guy like Sony Michelle or Chase Winovich or whatever the case may be. There's just not a whole lot of uh, open roster spots on this team and certainly not a, a lot of guys uh, that are easy cuts, right? You know, players right. that in other years when we go through these projections, it's so easy to just say, oh, this this guy's no chance he's going to make the team. But there's only a, a, about 10 or so of those guys this year. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, to, to break down the numbers, to, to kind of explain with numbers what you just said, if you look at how the roster is normally built, the Patriots have signed anywhere between 10 to 20 UDFAs over the last five years. And I'm not saying that you should automatically discount UDFAs, but generally the majority of those guys are there to have the bodies, to operate camp properly. Maybe you're looking at guys to get on the practice squad, but if they're going to bring in 15 UDFAs, you're probably after the first week of camp, there's probably only two or three of those guys that you're looking at as serious considerations for making the roster. So this year, there's just one UDFA right now. It's a kicker. Yeah. Yet they're still at that 90-man limit. So where you might normally have 12, 13, 14, 15 guys you can just take off right away, that that group of 15 or so players you normally have right now is one player. Yeah, and, you know, there's so many positions, too. Edge defender, for example, where they draft three guys in the last, four guys really in the last three drafts, right? With yeah. Uche Jennings, Winno, and Ronnie Perkins this year. And then they also signed Kyle Van Noy and Matt Judon. So you have these veteran guys in the way of the young guys. And those guys are going to get snaps. You know, Van Noy and Judon are going to be here. They're going to get reps, in-game reps. And then you have these young guys behind them. And it's like, 
the problem that I ran into with my projection was how many of these young guys that are sort of waiting in the wings, so to speak, until some of these veterans clear out, are you really going to end up keeping, right? And these are football players. These are good football players that are going to make rosters. And if you cut Anthony Jennings, he's probably going to get scooped up and be on a roster elsewhere. But if Anthony Jennings were to stick here in New England, I'm just using him as an example. What is he, edge five, edge six on the depth chart, something like that? And and the same thing could be said about running back. You know, if you keep Sony Michelle, you keep Brandon Bolden for special teams purposes mostly, and all these guys on the team, then where does that, where do they fit in? Where does Ramondre Stevenson and JJ Taylor fit into the equation if you got six running backs on the team? Tight end is another one where you have Asiasi, you have Keen, you have the fullbacks, Jakob Johnson and Danny right. Vitale, and then you have obviously Hunter Henry and Johnny leading the way, and it's like, there's just, how are you going to fit all these guys onto the team? We can get into some of that. If you have any other questions, roster questions, schedule questions, uh, anything that you want to talk about tonight, we're going to be here for the next hour or so answering all those questions. So drop your question in the chat. We're going to get to as many as we possibly can. This was a little bit of news yesterday with the Patriots re-signing Harvey Longy. Who, oh, wait, uh, just, can we backtrack real quick to the roster? Yes, uh, we can. Just, just one point I would add, something keep an eye on because I've seen people, you know, they don't want to see their favorite player get cut. There is a chance here that it's not going to be a 53-man roster this year. It could be 55 or 56. With that added game, there's been a push. I don't know how serious this is, but we know there's yeah. been a push to expand the roster. So that may be, maybe Bill knows something we don't. And, you know, like you said, you're at 63 players right now that realistically can make the team. It's not going to be a 63-man roster, but you know, if they even add two spots, those two spots could be incredibly valuable. And they really should make the rosters bigger. And I actually think that the practice squad rules, they, they had some talks about the practice squad rules carrying over. I, I don't remember uh, exactly where the final ver- – I don't think there is a final verdict yet. In terms of the practice squad rules from last year with the pandemic, where there were 16-man practice squads instead of 12, I actually thought that those rules worked out really well for teams. And the more of the uh, the free-flowing ability to go- bring guys up and send guys back down to the practice squad, was a lot it was a really good sort of change that the pandemic brought on but I actually think it's something that should stick because to me the practice squad should be where you're able to stash guys you know guys like a Will Sherman guys like a Trey Nixon that were drafted at the end of this year's draft you know players that are probably not going to be active on game day if everybody is healthy, but eventually you hope that can develop into players that can be successful for you and, and carve out roles. And I, I feel like, yeah, it's great to have those players go out and make other 53s, but then a lot of these players after roster cutdowns, there's, there's, like a thousand players that get cut in that weekend, right. right? And a lot of these players are just kind of sitting around at that point, just with no place to really go. Some of them obviously sign back to their own team's practice squads, but for the most part, there's a lot of players that are just kind of hanging in the balance that weekend. Having the, the practice squad as almost kind of like a minor league team. Right, where it's a little bit more protection for the team. I, I actually think that that would be in the best interest of everybody to be able to keep those players in house because as we saw, whether it's COVID related or just injury related on the football field, th- those guys eventually get their opportunities and eventually get their chances to get called up to the 53 man roster. So it would almost be nice to see like, like I love the NBA G League model yeah. where keep, keep the practice squad at 16 players, whatever it is. 
fill out the rest of the roster with guys who are employees of the league, who are just those guys that can't get a job, and then have them play on, like, Tuesday nights. Yeah. Do that. I, I think we'd all we'd enjoy watch. it. We'd watch. I'd that's, watch. That's I'd sure. absolutely yes. watch. We'd cover it. You know, I, I we, we would cover it if you right. have guys like, like let's well, just say, like, theoretically. So the well, I was just going to say, so the NFL did use this model. That yeah. was in NFL Europe. So what it was is you could send X number of players to Europe. They they would all be mixed together on different teams. There were like eight teams, right? But you had your guys assigned to NFL Europe that you could recall and, and bring back. And then the rest of the league was filled out by players who played for NFL Europe and played for those teams. Right. I actually think that's a good model. Just don't have it in Europe. Have it here so you can move the players up and down. Right. And I just feel like we definitely watch it. We definitely cover it. If a guy, even let's say they let Jared Stidham get some reps in some of those games, you let's know, say Jared Stidham goes off. That's a conversation, right? Right, exactly. I mean, I think it would be great, and I think that their NFL is desperately missing sort of a developmental league because, especially with the way that practice rules are set up nowadays, where there's so few padded practices, there's no more two a days, there's no more padded practices in the season, and in terms of you really are only practicing with pads on maybe once or twice a week at, at most during the season. There's just not a whole lot of competitive reps for guys that are developmental players, right? Guys that are, are younger players that aren't going to be playing on game days. There's just not a whole lot of competitive reps because once you get into the season, you're in week eight, week nine. Guys aren't, aren't going full, full blow in practice. They're not going a hundred percent in practice because they don't want to get hurt. They're already tired. They're already worn down. So you go a little bit slower and, and some of these players that are, you know, the, the eighth offensive lineman, the ninth offensive lineman or the seventh wide receiver on the depth chart or whatever the case may be, they could really benefit from some of those reps. So whether it's in the off season, whether it's in season and they play on Tuesday nights, like you said, or they kind of come up with a developmental league like the AAF was supposed to be, but didn't really pan out. I think that it could really work out if you're using players that are under NFL contract. I think that's the problem with leagues like the AAF is that those guys were not New England Patriot players, right? right? Those guys and were I, just again the whole, the whole players. The whole roster doesn't need to be. The Patriots don't need to employ a hundred something players to fill two rosters. Right. If each if each team had ten or fifteen NFL players and then you fill the rest in with that talent pool, yeah. that would be enough. I think we just came up with a great idea for the NFL to make even more money. Because, you know, people would go to those games, too, especially if it's it's April or May or something like that. There's nothing else going on in the NFL world at that time. It's a dead period in the league. And Jared Stidham is is going out there to throw to Christian Wilkerson and Trey Nixon and maybe J.J. Taylor's in the backfield. And people are going to watch those games. People are going to go to those games if those tickets are available. All right, let's get into some of these questions. We've got some questions pouring in. So yesterday... The Patriots signed or re-signed, whether um, you know he was with the Jets last year, Harvey Longy, who we all remember was the UDFA they signed a few years ago that everybody thought was a lot to make the roster. Right? Well, they gave uh, him a ton of money. They gave him yeah. hundred thousand guaranteed. Right, and he was a versatile edge linebacker hybrid that could play on special teams, athletic player. He got into that car accident, um, tragic car accident with his wife, uh, really kind of threw him off the kilter, but then he was able to have a nice season last year with the Jets and carve out a role for himself on the Jets' defense. He's back on the Patriots for a one-year deal. 
again, we went over how deep this roster is at the beginning of the show. So I, it's going to be an uphill battle for Harvey Longa right. to make the team. But just what were your impressions of seeing that he had resigned with the Patriots? Yeah, it's interesting. I think he's completing, competing with Raekwon McMillan and Therese Hall for that last inside linebacker, maybe play some edge, special team spot. I'd probably have him third if I'm ranking those three players. But yeah. it just shows the level of competition. And I think some of this is, right, like we talked about with, with not having UDFAs and, and the talent being as condensed. I think some of this is just Bill Belichick sending a message. You're not competing against, you know, Joe Schmo from D2, whatever, in camp this year. Every single spot, there's a guy on the roster who's held that spot on an NFL team at some point. The level of competition is just through the roof, and he's just another guy who add to this picture where – if you want to play linebacker for the Patriots this year, you're going to have to go out and freaking earn it. It's not going to be easy. And this is just even more talent entering an already incredibly talented room. Uh, and I think that that's in some ways sending a message. Yeah, I think Longy's more of a guy, especially in the Jets defense that played off the line of scrimmage at sort of an inside linebacker role. But you talk about sending a message. If you're Chase Winovich, if you're Josh Uche, if you're Anthony Jennings, if you're Jawan Bentley, you just got a big message this offseason from Bill Belichick that, look, we're we're not content with what happened last year. Right. right? We're, we're moving not, on with or without you. Yeah, exactly. And those guys have an uphill battle to make this team. Those guys have a dogfight on their hands to make the team. And, and I think Harvey Longy is another one that you can throw into the mix. You know, he had that big game against the Patriots last year, kind of his career game. So maybe that was something that they looked at and saw, and saw what the Jets were doing with him and, and could project something to come here in New England. We'll see if he can end up making the roster – it's going to be tough for him to make the team, but it's a cool story to see that Harvey Longy has found a way to stick in the NFL and after the car accident and all that kind of stuff. It's good to see a player like that be able to overcome that type of adversity and get back on the field and, and be able to get another contract in the league. All right. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to be on bet on all your sports action baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Real time, updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, s- scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So let's talk about some of these dev chart questions here. We'll get to some of the trade questions in a few minutes, but this was an interesting question that I started asking myself when I was doing my roster projection. The tight end position, right? You have right. Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are obviously roster locks. And then you have the two second-year tight ends and Devin Asiasi and, and Dalton Keene. And where do you draw the line, right? Do you take four? Do you keep all four of them? Uh, do you cut one of those guys and keep a true fullback, like a guy like a Jakob Johnson or a Dan Vitale? But how does that depth chart sort of sort itself out behind the two big free agent signings? Well, some of it depends, like, Let's see what Dalton Keene can do and if he's going to have a role maybe in the fullback room. Yeah. Or at the fullback position. Cause that certainly helps his case. 
Yeah, you'd think that they're only going to keep three tight ends. It's rare teams keep four, but you you invested a lot in Aussie, Aussie, and Keen. And that's not to say you didn't invest a lot in the two tight ends ahead of them. But right. at the end of the day, you know, uh, um, uh, Hunter Henry has the injury history that he has. It's a slightly longer season. I think there is an argument to keep all four, at least for this year. Maybe next year when you get into it, you can change it a little bit. If you want to say, well, they, they shouldn't have drafted two with high picks and then signed two, that's fair, but this is where we are. They probably got a little too aggressive at the tight end position last year, but I think them carrying four tight ends is absolutely realistic. I think, again, they're going to try to see what Dalton Keene can do and try to figure out other ways where they can use him to sort of justify that, but it, the other thing is one of them could, you know, Fox pair of flu in camp. You never know. And that, that, that sorts it out. But I, I think it's, it's very hard to justify cutting a guy. You use the top 101 pick on the year after you took him, regardless of the other circumstances. Especially Dalton Keene. I mean, Devin Asiasi too, who Asiasi definitely looked better as a rookie than Dalton Keene. He looked more like he belonged on the NFL field than Dalton Keene did, certainly. And I think that there's enough there with Devin Asiasi. Now he's going to be your tight end three. You mentioned Hunter Henry's injury history. He's only here on a three-year deal. Eventually, I think Devin Asiasi, whether it's in year three or year four, is probably going to get a chance to move up the depth chart a little bit. Dalton Keene's role, though, if, I, if I'm Dalton Keene, I'm coming into training camp, and I'm trying to be a Swiss Army knife, right? I'm trying to right. do multiple things because I know if I try to go toe-to-toe with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and Devin Asiasi as a traditional inline tight end, I am losing that battle 100 times out of 100. So if I'm Dalton Keene, I'm playing some fullback. I'm playing some H-back. I'm making myself as versatile as possible, and fullback in New England's system and New England's offense is the place to start because – Jakob Johnson and Dan Vitale are, are, Jakob has certainly proved to be a solid fullback for the Patriots, but they don't have the type of investment that the Patriots invested with it, Dalton Keenan. Remember, they traded up for Dalton Keene, right? They traded a right. couple fourth-round picks to move back up to get Dalton Keene in the third round. So if you're the Patriots, you have a lot invested in both those guys. But Dalton Keene specifically, you gave up a pretty big haul last year in the draft to move back up and get that player. So if I'm Dalton Keene, if I'm the Patriots, I'm having him work out at fullback. I'm having him work on that. I'm having him try to carve out a role in that direction because he is not going to sniff the field as a traditional Y or a traditional move tight end. You know, he's going to be somebody that's going to have to be more versatile than that, kind of a jack-of-all-trades. I had Dalton Keene off the team. I just feel like he was somebody that really I had trouble seeing it with him last year. I'm not sure what his ideal role is going to be. It's probably going to be more out of the backfield than it is going to be with his hand in the dirt on the line of scrimmage or, or detached from the line of scrimmage, you know, as like a slot option, as a move option. It, it just didn't look like he he necessarily belonged out there to me last year. So I had him off initially, but if he comes into camp, and he plays some sort of a, a move or a fullback type of role, then maybe we can talk ourselves into it. Kyle Juszczyk has always been the guy that I have said, Dalton Key needs to emulate this guy, right? He needs to be right. like Kyle Juszczyk and be that kind of tight end fullback hybrid and go that direction with it, where if he's playing off the line of scrimmage and he's moving before he gets to his, his uh, blocking assignment, he can generate some more movement at, and, and kind of get a little bit of a head start into those engagements. When I saw him blocking with his hand in the dirt, he had a lot of trouble getting guys off the ball, and he got pushed around a lot. He's not the biggest of guys. He doesn't have a lot of experience with that sort of technique. So if I'm him, I'm playing fullback and, and see how it goes. Maybe they do end up keeping – 
the four tight ends on the team and transitioning Dalton Keene to more of a fullback role. And there you got your sort of fullback if you want to go 21 personnel and you want to try to go power eye again or something like that. But you keep right. all four of the assets that you have on the board in terms of tight ends. Can, about, I, can I get, wait, can I give you kind yep. of an outside the box? I, I, I don't know that this would work. I just thought of this while you were talking. Like this isn't me saying this should happen. This yes. is just me throwing something against the wall. How did you feel Keen was just as a ball carrier? At Virginia Tech. Great. I mean, that was, that was pretty much what I thought they drafted him for, right? You know, that was, that was the skill set that I saw and pretty much the only skill set that I saw that was draftable in the third round. So he's a guy you just kind of want to get the ball in his hands and see what can happen, right? Correct. So I want, and I, like, I thought he was 6'2. He's 6'4, 251. So maybe this doesn't work just because of his size. I don't know. But there has been some concern about their depth at running back. And if they're not going to play Ramondre Stevenson, J.J. Taylor's not really an early down back. James White isn't. What happens if you lose Harris or Michelle? Could he play running back? Could he be an early down, you know, pro formation, just hand him the ball with momentum running back? I think he can be a fullback, right? I, You know, you're probably not going to put him all the way back in tailback. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, could they use him like they use – could they use them like they use essentially a power back version, I guess, of Cordero Patterson? Potentially. I mean, look, that's the only draftable aspect of his game that I saw in terms of a third round pick was his ability to create with the ball in his hands on all those scheme touches that Virginia Tech did with him. They moved him behind the line of scrimmage, screen passes, throws into the flat, little swings into the flat, motions into the flat, and just kind of got him the ball in space and watched him run with it. Those were his highlights. Like, those were his big plays. And then his blocking was – he was a tenacious blocker at Virginia Tech, a really right. high-effort blocker. But most of his blocks, he had a head, a, head, a head start into those blocks. He wasn't blocking straight-up base blocking with his hand in the ground, getting into a guy and moving him backwards. He was coming across the formation or he was leading out of the backfield or something like that where he was already moving at almost full speed before he even got to the guy. And that's how he was able to really blow people up and create movement in the run game. So he's got to play out of the backfield to me, whether it's fullback, whether they kind of develop into an H-back role if they want to go that direction. You know, John Smith is kind of a guy that can play a little bit of H-back stylistically too, so maybe they are going to kind of have that role be a little bit of a bigger, uh, more prominent thing in this offense. I, I it's, it's tough to see Dalton Keene succeeding in a traditional tight end role, so they got to get – if they want to make him – if they want to make Dalton Keene happen – they got to get creative with Dalton. So, Keith, so that's right? what I'm saying. Like, can you hand him the ball out of like a single back set? I guess theoretically. I mean, he's I, certainly I, I not guess the, I'm more so I would much saying, rather hand the ball to Johnny Smith than Dalton Keene. But that's it, fair. But I, I guess I'm more so saying like, if he, if you're trying to figure out ways to justify keeping him on the roster, like put that on the checklist of things to try in training camp. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, Devin Asiasi to me is the guy that can be the third tight end, right? He can be a true third tight end. If Hunter Henry gets hurt, if Johnny Smith gets hurt, he can play as a traditional tight end. Dalton Key and I, I, I don't really know what his role is on the team right now. They got to figure that out. All right, let's go to this question about uh, special teams. I thought this was really interesting as well when I was doing my roster projection. We know that Bill Belichick loves these special teams guys. We know that he loves Cody Davis and B. King and Brandon Bolden and go on down the list. Obviously, Matthew Slater is going to be on the team. Justin Bethel is 
mostly a roster lock. You know, I think there's a 90% chance, 95% chance that Justin Bethel is on the team. But this is a good question. What what does Brandon Bolden bring to special teams compared to Cody Davis or Brandon King? My my answer, and you can go first, Alex, my answer has nothing to do with special teams, actually, but I want to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, I, no, I, I mean, I think I know what you're going to say, but yeah, he can. he's probably more of an asset to to his listed position than the other guys are. Exactly. He's going to give you snaps at running back. He's been productive at running back. Cody Davis hasn't played safety in a couple of years. Brandon King, to me, if they're going to move on from one of these guys, Brandon King is the odd man out just because he hasn't played in two years, right? He he had, I forget what the injury was, but he did a serious, serious injury in 2019 in the preseason finale, and then he opted out last year. He didn't play last year. So as we go into it, and this could change in camp, he could look really good in camp and then just throw this all out. But as we go into it, if I'm looking for the odd man out, it's the guy who hasn't played in two years. And what kind of shape is he going to be in? And how's he going to look? Two years, by the way, and a significant knee injury removed yeah. from the last time he played. So Bolden, I think, assuming he didn't lose a step last year, I know he's a little bit older. I'm trying to remember exactly how old he is. Is he on the wrong side of 30? He's 31. He just turned 31 in January. So, you know, maybe he's slowed down a little bit since the last time we've seen him. That's certainly a possibility. But for me, Brandon King, having not played in two years, uh, he tore his quad was the injury in 2019. He's the odd man out for me. So Cody Davis actually got some money this offseason from the Patriots. If they cut him, I think he has something like a $2.1 million dead cap hit or something like that. But it's exactly what you said at the beginning. When you're doing these projections and you got 40, 45 guys that have to be on the team, like just guys that you just can't cut unless you're going to move them in a trade, and then you're adding another NFL player most likely in that trade because nobody's trading 2022 draft picks right now. So if you trade a Chase Winovich, if you trade a Sony Michelle, if you trade Jawan Williams, you're probably thinking of bringing in another player that you're going to roster. So there's not a ton of open roster spots for these special teams guys. We know Bill's going to keep some of them, right, because he always does. You know Matthew Slater is going to be on the team. We most likely think Justin Bethel is going to be on the team. But if you're – this, this this trio right here, Bolden, King, Davis, and right. you're not going to play in any other phase of the game, and you're only going to play in the kicking game. I don't know if there's a spot for you this year. Like, where where is the spot? I I just don't see it. So, Brandon Bolden is he their primary running back? Absolutely not. But in a pinch, if everybody else is hurt, Brandon Bolden can play running back in the NFL. Right. If you have right. to throw Brandon Bolden out there in week 11 and one game to run the football 15 times because everybody else is banged up, it's doable. Right. It's doable. Right. Where Cody Davis and Brandon King and even Justin Bethel, th- those guys don't have that role on this team. Right. They don't have a role that they can. And I guess maybe you could say that Bethel could play corner, but I've seen him play corner at training camp. And trust me, you do not want right. Justin Bethel. Even, even Matthew Slater occasionally will line up at wide receiver. Right, and he just brings so much intangible stuff to the table, too, that right. well, I'm you just, just saying, know like, why we, he's we on the look team. At, we look at these guys as the special teams guys, and and you should do that. Like, I I hate calling Matthew Slater wide receiver. That's not what he is. I hate calling Justin Bethel corner. That's not what he is. There's just no right. real nomenclature to, to properly describe what they do. But, yes, being able to go on, on and play on offense or on defense, it's just like – it's the same as looking at it the other way around. We were just talking about a guy, a guy like Dalton Keene is going to have to play on special teams to yeah. subsidize what he's not bringing immediately on offense. A guy, a guy like Brandon King, Cody Davis is go, it would help if they could subsidize their role by being able to play 
in more than one phase. And somebody pointed out, a couple people in the chat pointed out that Ramondre Stevenson can play special teams, and he you're did tell us that the draft. You're putting a whole lot on the kids. rookie. You're, you're putting, putting a whole, putting lot, whole lot on the rookie. rookie. I'll add, too, they might be more comfortable at least this year with Brandon Bolden in the backfield than Ramondre Stevenson because they don't play rookie running backs. I don't care how good he looks. I saw people in the chat when I said Dalton Keene could play running back. Oh, we drafted Ramondre Stevenson high. They don't care how good he looks. They don't care where they drafted him unless it's a first-round pick, unless the guy's a first-round pick. They do not put rookie running backs on the field offensively. When they do, they don't give them the ball. They are worried these guys are going to fumble. One of the few downsides Ramondre Stevenson had at Oklahoma was his ball security. They are not going to give him a significant amount of carries unless they absolutely have to. They don't do it. And that doesn't mean it was a bad pick. That doesn't mean it was a wasted pick. Right. I mean, nobody would say Damian Harris is a bad pick or Shane Vereen was a bad pick or James White was a bad pick. You know how many touches James White had his rookie year, Evan? 14. James White touched the ball 14 times his rookie year. That was a pretty good draft pick. So I'm already mad about this. It hasn't happened, but I'm already mad about it. We're going to get to week six and and Sony or Damian Harris is going to be hurt or something. And they're going to be putting, they're going to be giving Brandon Bolden the ball and people are going to be crying and moaning and bitching that, oh, they used a fourth round pick on a running back. Why won't they play him? Why can't he get on the field? This is the way they've always done it. It doesn't make him a bad pick. It doesn't make him a bad player. It's just the way it is. We're living in that reality. They're so going the, to need another running back at some point. Brandon Bolden can do that. So the other thing I want to mention, too, and this is very key with special teams, and, and Bill Belichick talks about it a lot. A lot of projecting special teams roles is body types, right? You know, this guy weighs this much and, and is this long, and this is the type of body type that we want in this role. We want, you know, our gunners to be this size and this speed. We want our personal protectors to be this size and this speed. And Brandon Bolden and Rex Burkhead were such a big part of their special teams units when they were both healthy and both on the team. And Rex Burkhead right now is not under contract, right? He's not a New England Patriot at the moment. So to say sit here and say that Ramondre Stevenson played a little bit of special teams, he did. He covered kicks on the kickoff unit at Oklahoma. He's not a four or five team a special teams unit guy right now, right? And if he is, then all he's going to be learning in training camp and all he's going to be learning in the preseason is special teams. If they, if they want him to just be a Rex Burkhead or be a Bolden and contribute in that phase, then he's going to be drinking out of a hose if he's trying to learn offense, learn pass protection assignments, learn routes, learn all these things that a running back has to learn. And then he's also going to have to learn the special team stuff. He is going to be swimming in it information wise. I, I just find it so hard yeah. to believe that they would put that much on a rookie. And like you said, the, the idea of him playing as a rookie is far fetched anyways, but putting special teams and offense all on a rookie's plate, it seems very, very lofty and you don't have Rex Burkhead here. So they have to sub some of those snaps in Bolden's kind of that same body type along with Rex, maybe a little bit bigger than Rex. So I think that that's what you're looking for in terms of a one for one. Bolden's going to take over Rex Burkhead's role on special teams that Rex Burkhead left behind and the, the train keeps humming. But to count right. on Andre Stevenson in that capacity, I think is, is biting off a lot more than a rookie should be. Able and to again, it, it's nothing against Andre Stevenson. I think he's yeah. going to be a pretty good player. 
it's just going to start in 2022 because that's and maybe they just, maybe this year's different maybe Stevenson's different and if so pull this clip and tell me I'm wrong but historically historically rookie running backs haven't played I'm just saying based on the data prepare for it again all right let's uh, answer this question about Chase Winovich Look, I, I do think that there are some signs pointing to the fact that Chase Winovich might be on the outside looking in at some point, might be a trade candidate. But the reason why I had him on my list of roster locks is because he's not getting cut from the Patriots, right? right. Chase Winovich is either going to make the team or he's going to get traded. So he's not going to be a roster cut. So I look at him as a lock in terms of that. Now, is he going to be on the team week one? I, I think that that's an interesting question. I think it depends on how a lot of things go in training camp. But if he ha- does not improve against the run and he's somebody that they look as more of a situational player moving forward, he could be somebody that brings back some trade value. As I wrote today, I think he's a guy that in a different system could be a double-digit sack guy. Right? You put him in a 4-3 where he's just able to pin his ears back and rush the passer, or a more aggressive 3-4 system like what Wade Phillips has run historically, and he's kind of in that like Von Miller role. I think that he could be a double-digit sack guy in a different system. In this system, you got to set the edge. We know that, right? That That's right. the priority number one, containing the quarterback in the pocket, priority number two. If he doesn't develop in that way and maybe he's just not that type of player, then I could definitely see them moving Chase Winovich, especially after the signings this offseason. Well, look, he wouldn't be the first guy that, you know, getting out of this system, the numbers go up. Look at Chandler Jones. He was never going to be a 20-sack guy in New England because that's just not how they play defense here. That's not how they do it. And you can say, oh, that, you know, let him go get the quarterback. Well, it's worked pretty well for the last 20 years. Winovich, to me, like we've talked about with some of these other players, is a guy that is going to have to show he can play multiple roles if he wants to have a spot on this team. We talked about this last week, that his best game of the year last year, he was playing middle linebacker against the Baltimore Ravens and against Lamar Jackson. He played exceptionally well in that game. So I'm looking to see, does he play middle linebacker in camp? Do they have him doing that? Where do they have him lining up? Do they maybe try him as an interior pass rusher? He's kind of small for it, but you've got to try all these different things to figure out how they're going to make him. And he does fit into that category. I think there's a couple of guys where they're not going to get cut. Sony Michelle and Nikhil Harry are the two big ones. They're not, I I would almost put Ted Karras in this group too. Certainly not going to get cut. Absolutely not going to, like, like, they're not just going to let him go, but they could get traded. They may figure out a way to, to pick up draft capital or, or get another player uh, it, instead of keeping these guys on the roster. I just think that Chase Winovich, other than, actually, I would say Chase Winovich right now, out of all the guys that they could potentially move on from because of just role and, and skill set and kind of fit in the yep. system, not necessarily talent, Winovich is probably the guy that can bring back the most in, a, in return. Right. You're oh, probably yeah. not going to yeah. get yeah. much for Nikhil Harry or Sony Michelle or Jawan Williams or any of the other guys that potentially could fit that, that mold. Winovich, I think you could actually get something for. Now we talked a lot about player for player trades. Cause again, I don't think 2022 draft picks right now, the league is treating those things like, like diamonds. They're, they're gold, right? You're right. not going to get those very easily. So maybe they end up trading Winovich, knowing that they have Perkins and they have Judon and they have Van Noy and they have Jennings. They have all these players now that they can play out on the edge instead. If they trade Winovich and maybe they add a corner, maybe they add a wide receiver, maybe they add some, they get some depth somewhere else where they're missing it. That that's a Patriot type of trade, right? A, a Jacoby Brissett for Philip Dorsett deal, 
right? But instead right. of a quarterback, you're doing it with an edge defender. That's something that I think that is definitely at least on the table, especially after the draft that we just saw. It's just too obvious based off of the Ronnie Perkins pick, the Judon signing. They're looking to go get stouter. They're looking to get bigger. They're looking to get more physical out on the edge of the defense. And if Chase Winovich doesn't rise to that occasion and own that, then I think that he could be somebody that's on the move. Let's. Uh, there's a lot of roster questions here as well. Um, but I want to ask, pull this one up. Here it is. Cam Newton and Mac Jones both playing quarterback this year. Now, I, I throw this Does out. This we mean, were, I, I mean, the way I read this, it means simultaneously. I'm not going simultaneously, right? I, I mean, think that's what, that's what, okay. The well, is well, well, let's, let's, let's frame the question a little bit differently because I think, and look, Bill Belichick has said in the past that the two quarterback thing and, and having two quarterbacks play in the NFL has not really been too successful. This isn't college, right? This isn't right. Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, right? We're not, we're not right. going to get something like that, but Taysom Hill and Drew Brees kind of set a standard here of a way that it could work, right? And you have a guy in Mac Jones who's the stationary pocket passer, more accurate probably at this point down the field than Cam Newton, can throw a better ball than Cam Newton now. So I think that there is a world where Josh McDaniels has – a Cam Newton package and a Mac Jones passing system where they're passing with Mac. And then when they get into goal line or they get into red zone or they get into situations, uh, short yardage situations where it behooves them to play 11 on 11 and have a quarterback that can run Cam Newton comes in and they have a different look, right? right. I don't think it's that crazy to think now. I don't think this is going to happen week one, but maybe we get to a point later on in the season where Mac is ready and they're able to get a, a more out of him in the passing game. I don't think it's crazy to think that they could now they're not going to go full Taysom Hill with Cam Newton. He's not going to be playing wide right. receiver. He he's not he going to play. He doesn't have the same skill set. Right. But in terms of just playing Cam in some situations, Mac Jones in other situations, I don't think it's that far-fetched. We're not there yet, but I don't think it's that far-fetched. So I'll give you – do you know who Blake Bell is? Name sounds familiar, yeah. So so Blake Bell, he's a tight end for the Chiefs now. When he was in college, he was known as the Bell Dozer. He's 6'6", 252. I think he was bare when he was in college. I think he was closer to 260. He was at Oklahoma with Landry Jones. And Landry Jones would move the ball up and down the field. He was the starting quarterback. But when they got inside the five, they'd put Blake Bell in as the Bell Dozer is what they called him. Because he could, he was a 260 pound direct snap running back, but there was always the threat of the jump pass or the screen or something like that where he could throw the ball well enough. I know that this is going to, you know, Patriots fans don't follow college football. This is going to go over a lot of heads. They know who Taysom Hill is, but if you really want to see the comp for what it could look like, look up, look up the bell dozer, Blake Bell, what he did at Oklahoma with Landry Jones. That I think is the formula if they were going to pull something off, how they could do it. Yeah, this happens all the time in college. And let's not forget, look, as inconsistent as Cam was at times as a thrower, he ran for 12 touchdowns last year, right? right. I mean, he, he set the Patriots single season record for a quarterback and, and rushing touchdowns. I think he might have led the league in rushing touchdowns last year if my mistake right. If yeah. I'm remembering correctly. So this is a guy that down by the goal line 
and, and in the red zone as a runner was extremely effective. And there's so many things as we saw last year about playing 11 on 11 and about running option football and about having a threat at quarterback that can run, that can really open up the offense to different things in terms of the run game. And I still think that the point being is that I still think Cam Newton can have a role on this team, even if he's not the starting quarterback, right? I, I still think you can have value in Cam Newton as a runner when maybe it's Cam as the runner, Mac Jones is the passing quarterback. This is a very college-like thing to do, but I just think that there there's a there's a chance that that's a, something that they entertain, especially with the personnel that they have. When they get down in the red zone, yeah, you can throw it up to Hunter Henry, you can throw it to Johnny Smith, and these guys are big targets and stuff down there. But I think it could behoove them to just be a power run team once they get inside the 10 and just bowl everybody over. And that could be really helpful if you have a guy like Cam Newton that can pull the ball and run with it too. So I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Bill Belichick has never been a huge fan of it, but I, I still feel like it's something that they maybe entertain at some point. I feel like Josh McDaniels could talk him into it if he says, look, this is going to be a really effective red zone package. Mac's going to take us between the 20s to get us down there. Once we get inside the five, I want to put Cam in and have him run the ball in. Cam Gozer. Yeah, I think that that can be something that we can talk about. All right, everybody, and everybody, I mean, wants another wide receiver, Alex. We we talk about this every single week. There's a million questions about Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., wide receiver trades, all those type of things. I We can go on our rants about how there's not a ton of reps to go around. Uh, they've already invested in Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. And maybe that's not the sexy names that everybody wants, but those are the guys that they just paid. And to then bury those guys down the depth chart even further after they just give Nelson Aguilar over $10 million for the 2021 season doesn't make much financial sense. But this is the question that I get the most. Are the Patriots going to add a wide receiver? Is a big name wide receiver trade on the table? What are your thoughts? I mean, maybe it is if a team wants to get dumb, if Atlanta wants to give you Julio Jones for a fourth round pick. Sure. I just, again, I, I don't know, you know, you look at the majority of the market that's out there right now and people have asked me about Golden Tate, right? Is a popular name that comes up. Yeah. Um, you know, some people have floated, uh, Andy Isabella. Where's this guy playing? Is Andy Isabella better than Nelson Aguilar? No. Right. Is he better than, than Jacoby Myers? Wash at best. I'd, I'd call that a wash at best for Andy Isabella. That's it. Again, your top two receivers. I don't know why people can't get this through their heads. Your your top two receivers are Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. You can't look at the wide receiver position and just look at the names at, on that portion of the roster on Wikipedia and assume that's who's catching the football. That's not how it works. You have to factor in the tight ends in that sense. Yes, they, they, they're okay at wide receiver. You know, are they the 07 Patriots? No. But the reality is, if, if you're bringing somebody in at this stage in the offseason, you're bringing somebody in to play. If there's no room for that guy to play, bringing that player in is just burning assets. We have in, in the comments here, you guys can't complain about this group in December when they have no passing game. They should have a passing game in December. If they yeah. don't, it's either, I mean, look, there could be injuries. It's, it's, it's injuries or it's Josh McDaniels, right? Like, or, or they it's the have, quarterback. They have the weapons right now. They have the weapons to get a, a passing game. They have Hunter Henry. They have Johnny Smith. They have running backs out of the backfield. They have Nelson Aguilar. You know, 
they have threats in this passing game. They have matchup yeah. weapons in this passing game. Yeah, I understand that that they're that they have tight ends, so they're not they don't have a bunch of four three guys out there. Right. On do, the they, field. do they have a ton but, of speed? No, but that's not. This isn't Madden. Okay. Right. Yes, in Madden, if a receiver's under a ninety five speed, they're irrelevant. This isn't that. These guys have other ways to get open. Jacoby Myers was on a thousand yard pace last year. He's not. Jacoby Myers is by no means slow, but he's not a burner. They're going to figure out ways to make these guys work. Again, are they going to lead the league in passing? Are they going to have 5,000 passing yards as a team? No, probably not. They don't need to do that to win. They don't. I just personally feel like if they can't figure out how to get all these guys open and how to figure this out with the signings that they made in free agency, then that's an indictment on the coaching. Yeah. It, it really is. And maybe it'd be an indictment on the quarterback play. Like maybe the quarterback's having a tough time getting the football. Maybe Mac Jones isn't ready. Maybe Cam Newton's, you know, like Cam Newton was last year or, or whatever the case may be. There's so many factors here, right? But at the end of the day, if they can't scheme it up and if they can't line it up and figure out ways to get Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith matchups and to get Nelson Aguilar over the top like the John Gruden the Las Vegas Raiders just almost made Nelson Aguilar a thousand yard receiver last year and he averaged over 17 yards per catch so right. if the so Patriots can't to me. put that together and they can't get these three guys to be a productive passing game together that to me is on the offensive coordinator. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think they have plenty of talent on that side of the football to have a good passing offense, especially when you put together that you're going to have an offensive line, you're going to have a running game, you're going to have a lot of play action involved in this offense. If they can't do it, I've been a McDaniels defender, right? I've been somebody yeah. that has not wanted to pile on McDaniels. If they can't figure that out, if they can't get these guys open, if they can't do all these things to with the scheme to get Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith to be productive receivers, and Nelson Aguilar too, I'll throw him in there as well. Kendrick Bourne had 600 yards last year for the San right. Francisco 49ers. As that's going to be your fourth or fifth receiver. If they can't figure these things out with these players, then it's not the talent, it's the coaching. Again, do they have the best receiver group in the league? No, they do not. Is it going to be like 07? No. Are they going to put up 40 points a game? No. Is it going to be, you know, if, if you're somebody who just wants to watch fantasy, if, if you just care about your fantasy football team, okay, and you just want to watch Arena Ball where they're, they're, they're winning games 45 to 35, then go watch Arena Ball. Then go watch the Massachusetts Pirates. They have pretty good receivers. They have Martavis Bryant and Terrence Williams. They have pretty good receivers. This team is not built to throw for 5,000 yards. There's nothing wrong with that. Last year, the team wasn't built to throw for 5,000 yards either, sure. But they also weren't built as well to run the ball, and they certainly weren't built as well defensively. This is a team that is built. We've been over this, Evan. We're going to lose this argument no matter what. We're, like, we're, we're going to lose this argument because people are, are so brainwashed by fantasy football, and the quarterback has to throw for 300 yards, and you have yeah. to have multiple 100-yard receivers in every game. And if you run the ball more than five times in a game, it's bad. Like People are so brainwashed by this fantasy football concept in Madden Ultimate Team, and this is how you have to do it. There's more than one way to win a football game. I'll go, there are teams now that are built defense up, run the ball. Those teams do well. San Francisco got to the Super Bowl like that. The Tennessee Titans got to the AFC championship game like that. It's a perfectly reasonable way to win football games in 2021. I'm sorry if your overs aren't going to hit every week. I'm sorry if your overs on passing yards aren't going to hit every week, but this is a way to win football games. They've put together 
old, one of the oldest Belichickisms, one of the first Belichickisms I remember, and I, it might be his best one. And there's a lot of good Belichickisms out there, Evan, but I think this might be his best one. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's not about collecting talent. It's about building a team. You know what the yeah. Patriots did this offseason, Evan? They built a freaking football team. Yeah. And they have players on all sides of the football that are going to complement each other, right? All phases are going to lead into the next phase. So, again, if we're going to lose this in the chat because everybody loves wide receivers. It's fantasy football culture, as you said. Everybody's all caught up in Julio Jones and Odell the same, Beckham By the Jr. way, can we talk about the irony of the same stuff. people – campaigning Julian Edelman to be in the Hall of Fame are complaining the Patriots don't have enough wide receivers. They're never going to have enough wide receivers. And unless we were rolling out Julio and Odell and Michael Thomas or and with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. And look, the that'd Patriots be great. I'm not weapons. saying they shouldn't I'm not saying they shouldn't look to add. That'd be great. I'm just telling you what they have right now they can win with that. I don't know that they're winning the Super Bowl, right. but it's a solid base to start. They're, they're in kind of a three-year window right now with all these contracts they signed and drafting Mac Jones. This is a really good base for the three-year window. Uh, it is. Look, as I said, we're just going to keep on seeing these comments about how we're, we're overrating this team or I, I, I defend everything Belichick does. As I sit here and say, it's on, it's on the coaching if they can't figure out how to use right. the talent and all this stuff. It, it just, I don't know. It, it does feel as though there is a little bit of that fantasy football stuff in there where Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne are, and Jacoby Myers are not guys you're drafting in the first three rounds of your fantasy draft, right? So that, that makes it Patriots have no receivers because they don't have anybody in the top 10 of ESPN fantasy rankings. And maybe that, that's, that's, true in a lot of senses, right? That they don't have that right. true bona fide but stud number never- one. Even when they were throwing the ball all over the field and Tom Brady was throwing for 40 touchdowns a year, they were never, they never had good fantasy players outside of Brady because it was a different player every week. None of them were reliable. I did, can I bring up one comment from the we, chat here? We have Trey Nixon and it's Ernie's pick. So that's true. We did, yes. Trey, and, and Trey Nixon, Nixon is going to be a Hall of I like Trey Nixon. Me too. I, I think, think he's fast. I think there's more of a window. I think he you needs want a guy that can get vertical. You want a guy that can beat some press coverage. Trey Nixon can do those types of things. Sure. Not, he's not Randy Moss, but he, but he can run by some people. I mean, I think he's a year away. I think he, like, I'll get really excited about him next year. Not to say I'm not excited about him. He's just, I mean, seventh round pick. He's raw. He's coming off an injury. But, uh, Papa Patriot in the chat here. I just want to read this because he nailed it. I could care less about stats on passing yards. Just win. Grounded pounds, screen pass all day. If that works, keep doing it until they stop it. That's what I like about this Patriots team, Evan. And those were the words I was trying to find that I couldn't find. An elite passing game can certainly get you over the top, but when you go up against a good defense, right, look at what happened. The Chiefs went up against that great Tampa defense. They shut it down. What I like about the Patriots, what they're built to do, what their strengths are built for, it's not necessarily sexy, but even if you know what's coming, it's hard to stop. Weapons matter, but we're getting a lot of, we're getting caught up in the fact that these, uh, that the, the Patriots don't have all I'm, good all weapons. I'm telling you is I just don't get it. What more do you want them to do? Besides trade right. for Julio Jones, they went out and they spent $40 million on pass catchers. $40 million on pass catchers. And we're still sitting here saying that the Patriots have no weapons. Here's my I, question I, I just don't for the get weapons it. crack. Here's my question. Why are Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith not weapons? Because they're not Because Gronk. it says T-E next to their name on the roster instead right. of W-R. That's why. 
That's and guess what? If they had gone out and signed Kenny Galladay and 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 Keenan Allen or Juju or whoever, I I bet we there'd be people saying, yeah, but they still suck at tight end. So yeah, we can move on from this. But I'm just saying, like, the, can we talk about Nikhil Harry real quick? Yes, I mean, yes, we should. Because his name has been. Some people did notice his name has been absent from this conversation, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, so we haven't talked much about Nikhil Harry. I, I do think that there is something, there's some benefit, right, to the fact that he doesn't have to be the first round pick wide receiver that's going to come in and be the savior, right? He doesn't right. have to be that guy anymore. He can sort of develop behind veteran receivers, but at the same time, it's gut check time for Nikhil Harry, right? If it, if he can't put anything together this year and if he can't kind of solidify himself as an NFL caliber receiver in this, in this offense, then he's either traded, maybe he's even cut in camp. I, I, he's got to have a, a show it camp. He's got to do something this training camp because they, they got some depth now. You know, they got Aguilar, they got Bourne, they got Myers, uh, they got some guys that are right now, we have talked about those three guys ahead of the first round pick, Nikhil Harry, all the time. Like th- those three guys right. are just a lock to be ahead of him at this point. So it is. It, it's, it's put up or shut up time now for Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Right now he feels like a, a, a red zone specialist, a role player. I, I, I honestly don't think he's the, like, I don't think he's as bad as he's looked. I, I, he wasn't the pick. AJ Brown was the pick. Like that, yeah. that is or a Debo. fact that will. Or Debo, I like or AJ DK. Brown. If you want to say Debo, I understand passing on DK because look, even the Seahawks passed on DK once, right? So um he wasn't the pick. That being said, it, it goes back to something you said before about McDaniel's. The way they're using Nikhil Harry has never made any sense to me. For the most part, they have him play to his weaknesses. They gave him a couple jump balls last year. The tight, the touchdown in Kansas City, I thought was the ideal use for him. He had the jump ball in Los Angeles against the Chargers. Like that's all well and good. So yes, he needs to come out and have a big camp, but they need to try, try using him differently as well. I think they're afforded the ability to do that. They needed him to be a volume catcher the last couple of years, just based on the way the rest of the roster was built. They don't need him to be a volume guy this year. They can kind of make him a deep shot guy, a jump ball red zone guy. So I think he needs a big camp, but I also want to see them use him differently. And if neither of those things is going to happen, I think he does get traded. There was reportedly a market for him during free agency. I don't think that would necessarily just go away. I don't know that they get a ton for him. You're looking at a day three pick. You're certainly not looking at the return on the investment, but he needs a change of scenery. I think they need a restart. Uh, you know, they, they clearly can't figure out how to unlock what he's doing. So if they don't show it in camp, if neither side shows it in camp, because I think it's going to take both sides to kind of pull his potential out from where it is. Uh, if neither side can show it in camp, then I think it's time to move on. I think there's really a difficult sort of – the Patriots struggled, I think, in terms of their projection of Nikhil Harry into their system. And I've said this before. They thought that he was going to be somebody whose yak ability and ball-carrying ability and ability to create with the football in his hands in space was going to translate to the NFL game. He doesn't have the gear to translate that to the NFL game, right? He, he's a big guy, and when he runs with it, he's big and he's physical – but he just doesn't have any breakaway speed. Like you just, there's just no throttle, right? There's right. no throttle down. There's no NOS. There's no extra boost there. So because of that, it's hard for him to create and that sort of yak screen, short throw, pass behind the line of scrimmage, that type of role. 
it just didn't, it's not going to work out here for him that way. What you said in terms of jump balls, getting him vertically up the field, I think playing him inside in the slot a little bit more, if they have the reps to give him in there, they're going to have to give a lot of reps to Hunter Henry inside. So it's going to be tough to get another big body pass catcher, some slot reps, but if they can find a way to get him some inside reps, some more, that's what he did at Arizona state in his last year there. And he just played basketball, right? He just put guys on his back and he went up and got passes. He box guys out at the catch point. He used his size. You can't use him as a space player. He's not fast enough. You got to use him as a bully. You got to use him as a down-the-field bully. And I think what's best for Nikhil Harry is a trade or moving on from the Patriots in general. I think it's what's best for him. I think it's what's best for the team. And getting him into a more vertical passing system where the quarterback is just going to chuck it up down the field to him, I think that's probably a little bit more what he's going to have to be to stick in the NFL moving forward. But he's not going to survive here making quick-hitting routes, yak opportunities, end-arounds, you know, jet sweeps, screen passes. He's just not fast enough for that in the NFL. It worked in college. It's not going to work in the pros from Nikhil Harry. So down the field, vertical, back shoulder, high point fade. Those are the types of things that I think if they're going to do with him. And that's in that Rams game that last year was probably the best he's ever looked. Right. That, that, it seemed uniform. like they were about to unlock him at that point, And then they just yeah. went away from it. And they did the double moves and stuff like that on the outside. I think that that's exactly what they're going to have to do with Nikhil Harry if they want Nikhil Harry to happen, right? If they want him to work, then I think that's exactly uh, what they're going to have to do with them. All right, we're going to have to wrap it up here tonight, guys. Uh, We have a hard stop at 6 o'clock. Can we grab a quick quick quick. 30 seconds here? Yes. Rest in in peace to Colt Brennan. I just, you know, I I wanted to point that out. I think, you know, with the next generation, he's kind of gotten lost. You watch his highlights, it's it, it's hard because what he's doing what he was doing then looks kind of relevant now. He was so ahead of his time. He threw fifty-three touchdowns in a fourteen or, or I think it was fifty-eight touchdowns in a fourteen game season. I personally fell in love with college football and really expanded my football fan to be on the Patriots watching Colt Brennan. Uh, he was trying to better himself. He was in rehab, it's unfortunate, so rest in peace. If if you haven't today, especially if you're not familiar with him. Go go watch some Cole Brennan highlights. Just a, a fantastic, fantastic talent. Yeah, and he's somebody, the run and shoot slash air raid offense that June Jones is running down there at yep. Hawaii back circa 2006. Like you said, the off-platform throws, the sidearm throws, the vertical passing system. A lot of the things that Cole Brennan did in, in 2005, 2006 with June Jones in Hawaii is what Mahomes and Zach Wilson and all these guys are doing now in today's NFL and in today's college game. So definitely a guy that, uh, RIP to him and, and somebody that was ahead of his cur- ahead of his time for sure. But we gotta, uh, end it here tonight. We're gonna be back later in the week to break down the schedule. We'll do another one of these Q and A's next week as well. So if you have more questions, we didn't answer your questions tonight. Come back then and we'll be back here to answer more of them for you next week. So thanks for watching and uh, we'll be back with you on Thursday night to break down the schedule. Thanks guys.